podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Face Off. I'm your new host, Guy Drinkle. I'm taking over the reins from K, and that is probably the worst downgrade since we went from Luis Suarez to Ricky Lambert. But I'm stepping in for K. But um, yeah, this is the new the new era of Face Off. So we're gonna we're gonna start with the first game of the season, which was West Ham, and it was four 0 to Liverpool. And I do have a a West Ham fan with me who's. Uh, Graciously came on the pod. Sean Whetstone from uh, at West Ham Football. How are you doing, Sean? I'm good. Obviously, I agreed to it before yeah. knowing yeah. the result, of course. <laughs> oh, dear. Dear. But great, great spot going on. Um, and our Liverpool fan is Umar Jawed. How are you doing? Yeah, good, man. Really good. Uh, obviously, the result helps as well. Massively so. Absolutely. He, he he let me butcher his name before the pod started. That, that's why I put it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, we'll, we'll start off with the boring stuff of the uh, the first 11s. And Sean, coming to you, obviously you had a, a lot of um, debutants in your team and stuff like that. But were you happy with uh, the team that Pellegrini selected for his first game as West Ham boss? Um, it, it probably was the best team he could have chosen. With hindsight, it's easy to pick holes yeah. in it, isn't it? Um, you know, I'm sure we would have put uh, Cresswell in instead of uh, Masuaku, who can't defend. He's he's a left winger <laughs> and not a left back, as he showed on Sunday. Um, and you know, Yamilenko wasn't good enough to start. Uh, Rice struggled, and a, a few of them struggled. Look, it's difficult to start off with your first team, uh, your, your first game of the Premier League against Liverpool at Anfield, isn't it? So. It, it was difficult to pick whatever team. It's easy to say with hindsight, but, you know, when I looked at it come out, I sort of said, yeah, that's, that's probably there or thereabouts. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree just look, looking at the squad there. There's not, not much else you could do apart from maybe put Obama, uh, Obiang in, however you pronounce his name. But, yeah, looking at it, the options aren't too heavy. Uh, was Creswell injured? Is that why he didn't start? Yeah, he's he's had a knock all pre-season and and really hasn't had a proper mm. full season, so that's why uh, he didn't start. And as you say, the other choice could have been to put Obiang in, um, who's who's wanted to move to Italy all all uh, yeah, summer right. and was refused. But they started 19-year-old Declan Rice, which was like um, a little bit like Lamb to the Slaughter, especially as all his games last year for West Ham were as centre back. Mm. I know he. I know he plays this defensive midfield for uh, Ireland, uh, well, at least two games, um, but to, to put him in to that role um, was, was a bit of baptism of fire uh, against uh, your attacking players, let's just say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very true. But we'll we'll come back we'll come back to the midfield and talk about it a bit more in depth. But Umar, from our, from our point of view, there wasn't too many question marks about the team selection. I mean, we only had literally two centre backs fit. And the main question mark was probably in central midfield. But were you happy with Gomez in, in the free midfield as he picked? 
Um, yeah, definitely. I think um, if you saw the preseason, uh, I think the only thing that was surprising is that Klein didn't start, considering he started all of the uh, preseason friendlies. But uh, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold when he came on against Torino, uh, he just showed his qualities, and it made sense to just go with, you know, start with him, considering he didn't actually play in the World Cup often. You know, he was just in the training really. Um, I think the question was, uh, you know, how. Uh, Wijnaldum, he just keeps impressing us as a number six and he just did so well and it just makes you question that, you know, we've got three uh, DMs now at the club and uh, so we, we look really well stocked for that position. Midfield looks really good. Um, as for Joe Gomez, I was really happy with him personally. Um, I thought he played, he had a good game. Anatovic, you know, if you consider the end of last season, he was an incredible player last season and um there was only one real moment where um, he got the better of him. You know, he just, uh, he played him on side. He showed his inexperience there, Joe Gomez. But uh, what's it called? His pace was telling in the fact that he got back on a really quick player and managed to just get enough on the ball that it didn't go in the direction of the goalkeeper and it just went for a corner. So um, other than that, he was really good. So yeah, I was quite happy with it, personally. Yeah, I fully agree. I mean, there wasn't too much else we could do, considering uh, people like Henderson came back really late from the uh, from uh, the World Cup. I know Trent did as well, but he barely played, so there wasn't there wasn't too many options outside that. But but we'll get into the game. We got the boring stuff out of the way. Um, you you kind of mentioned there, Sean, that Maswak is basically a winger, and I know he impressed a bit at um, left wing back under Moyes, didn't he? Mm. But a pattern throughout the game was him really struggling with. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold and and probably James Milner who had a better crossing on the day but I mean do you think Aaron Creswell's pretty much guaranteed to have that spot his own now that Masawaka shown he can't defend? Um, yeah I mean there are a number of problems in defence I mean we're you know we're, we're Pellegrini's playing what he did at um, Man City which is he, You've got to high, hold this high defensive line on the 18-yard box, and I'm sure you saw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't think we've got <laughs> we've got the idea yet. I mean, I'm sure they've practiced it in training, but you know, you were catching us out. I mean, I, all right, it was only really three 0 because we know one of the goals was miles offside. But the yeah. idea was to catch um, catch you offside, and we did a number of times, but but not consistently that you could score three goals. Um, and I think that's got got to be the takeaway. Um, Pellegrini was asked by Sky afterwards, you know, will you will you stop this defensive uh, high line? And he said, no, no, may, maybe we need to get a bit used to the, the crosses on the wings. But he said, I think the defending worked. I, I don't quite agree with him. <laughs> um, but if, he, he says he's going to persist with it. So if we're going to have to persist with it, then we're going to have to do better. Um, Masuaku is going to be better if... I mean, the problem is if Cresswell uh, is fit, you know, we we need you need two position two players for every position, don't you? So we need a backup yeah. um, left back. And I don't know whether you put Zabaleta in there, but at the moment, and this is, might sound harsh to Masuaku, but I'd prefer you know putting Zabaleta, who's a right back, in in that position rather than uh, let Masuaku try and defend. But you know, let's not blame him. Uh, the others also, Fredericks looked a little bit out of his depth, mm. especially against Maine. You know, this is his first Premier League debut because he's come straight up from Fulham. And it was a harsh lesson 
of the Premier League, uh, and he looked like to be struggling. But even Ogbonna, who obviously has got a lot of experience in the Premier League, he seemed to just switch off at times, and he was mm. he lost concentration in the second half. And Bobwana, who's our new um, general uh, from a Paraguayan defender from Corinthians, uh, I think also showed up that he, he struggled at the mm. Premier League level. So a lot to learn in defence. And, you know, should he have started with Zabaleta? Or, uh, it, should he sacrifice some of the pace by putting in a little bit more experience? I don't know. It's easy to say with hindsight. But, you know, let's be honest. Whichever way we looked at it, we were going to lose. Whether we lose by one-nil, <laughs> 2-0, 3-0, 4-0 was the issue. Um I don't think it's going to come down to goal difference for West Ham at the end of the season. I think we've got enough quality and a good enough manager. We won't be relying on goal difference. So in some ways, I don't think it really counts. But uh, it's embarrassing, a little bit demoralising to lose 4-0, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, just another question. Obviously, you spent, I think it was 20-odd million on Diop. I mean, has he not had a... a a good pre-season or do you think it's just a, a project with him rather than yeah, rush him in the I first think, team? I think they were a bit worried to blood him at, um, at, uh, at Anfield. Uh, he was 22 million plus a new two million, uh, another 2 million of add-ons. So yeah, he's an expensive uh, 21 year old from Toulouse. Uh, Pellegrini obviously believes in him, but, but quite a big gamble uh, that he can make the step up from the French league to to the Premier League and um, in in the pre-season, you know, he was okay, but he would have been skinned alive on on Sunday uh, against Liverpool. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, he he does have a good reputation. I mean, I think one thing France do is make a lot of good centre-backs. But Umar, coming to you, um, from our point of view in the wide areas, obviously we have Salah and Mane who obviously play a bit more narrow and stuff like that, but... We saw um, Robertson get, well, he was involved in pretty much everything going forward. Trent didn't have the best day crossing, but he obviously started the first goal. And Milner, who just turned back about eight years and started playing as a winger throughout the game. So, do you think this new width in our play, obviously we always play with width, but do you think midfield's adding something to that? I think, um, you know, I think the biggest difference for us was uh, Naby Keita in the way that he was carrying the ball, the timing was really good by him, you know, the timing of when to make the pass. He made sure that he got a commit, he got West Ham player to commit towards him, to run towards him to open up the spaces. I, I've never, like, it, it was really weird to see Firmino have the amount of space that he was being given, simply because of the movement of Naby Keita. Uh, from, and Mane was really not coming deep in this game. If you remember, like, you, I'm used to seeing Mane come into positions that Naby Begita was in in those mm. certain pockets. But because of uh, Naby, he could uh, concentrate more on being an inside forward or, you know, getting chalk on his boots. You know, he was a, uh, and you saw the freedom that Robertson was given as well. Well, Robertson's been playing like that for, well, for the past six months for Liverpool. But, um, this was something different, you know, with Naby Keita. Just a little run, it looks really easy. I mean, his pass to uh, Robertson looks extremely easy, but it's really not. The pass is quality. He's changed our game completely as a right-back because of uh, his, his uh, intelligence as a midfielder. He sees certain passes that other fullbacks just cannot see. And um, and then Naby Keita just runs forward, uh, 
and the ball stuck to his foot and he loves, he just places it perfectly on the path for Robertson who doesn't have to break stride and he puts in a ball that has to be a goal. I mean, that's been the biggest difference. Um, it really helps as well, you know, with uh, Gini Wijnaldum, he's a dynamic player, he's a dribbler and Milner's just really just, he's probably the most underrated English player. Um, in the past, like, 15 years or something. If you saw what he did at Manchester City and and Aston Villa, and now what he's doing at Liverpool, it's really underappreciated. You know, it, this is a guy who took Liverpool to the Champions League final. He was a big part of that. And uh, he's a quality player, and he was our best player yesterday. Um, it's fantastic. I think the midfield has completely transformed under Klopp, and uh, it's just the duties that they're doing, and... The variation, you know, I mean, you've got Naby Keita, he could play on the right, he could play on the left side of the three. Um, Milner's shown that he can play in either of those positions as well. And uh, well, Wijnaldum's played even at centre-half for us. So, you know, I mean, we've got midfielders who are completely versatile and that helps us change our tactical approach throughout a game. So in the 15th, 20th minute, we could go a double pivot or one of them could turn into an attacking midfielder. Navikia ended the game as an 11, you know, sick, stuck on the left wing. I mean, this is a very strange team. And I'm not suggesting defence of the West Ham players, specifically the defenders. You know, they're not going to come up against Salah, Firmino and Mane, um, the front three that scored the most goals in the Champions League season last year. Um, ever recorded was that front three. So, you know, they were the best front three in world football last year for goals and assists, really. I mean, so, you know, that's... That's what West Ham were up against. They were not up against a bunch of bums, you know. They were up against the best of the best. And um, they make you look like amateurs. That's their job. So I think with the West Ham players, it's too early to judge, really, in the season. And um, it's not a fair um, game to judge them on, really, considering, you know, playing at Anfield as well. Yeah, it definitely was a it definitely was a baptism of fire for the uh, new-look West Ham back four. And uh, you can't, you kind of went through the goal from our perspective there, but Sean coming to you, obviously the first goal, it, it was a very quick counter-attack. I mean, it started from Trent and stuff like that. And it really highlighted your kind of isolated midfield. I mean, mm. before we start recording, you said you pretty much played with no midfield, but I was, I was watching yeah. the, the match of the day coverage before um, doing the pod just to, to refresh it and it, and it pretty much just showed Mark Noble marking literally like 50 yards of space on his own. It obviously he's like a club legend and stuff like that. And I, I was going to come into this pod asking you whether he, whether it's time for him to move on and stuff like that. But even he is a bit older and stuff like that. But if you're going to literally have him play in midfield on his own, what can he do? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think you know Pellegrini did say he wanted attacking football, so I was a bit surprised how attacking he sort of made it you know putting everybody with pace there except for noble mm. but, but then you think hang on a minute everyone else would have just parked the bus you know fair play yeah. you know you can't have it always you know you can't moan as a west ham fan about going to liverpool and parking the puffs and then but if you if you set up an attacking team and you can get whacked four nil that's that's all part of it it didn't work but going back to the midfield i've already talked about the defense um you know, I've already said, poor old Declan Rice, baptism of fire, he was out of the depth and he got changed out half-time. I'm not sure Snodgrass did much better, but a little bit more experience. Wilshere, uh, I think he was pushing up front just off the striker first half, God knows why, and then moved deeper 
to be defender in the second half. Um, but I saw a stat, and I don't know if it's true, but it was on Twitter by uh, a bookmaker who said that your new goalkeeper, Allison, had more passes than Jack Wilshere for the whole game, <laughs> which, which was hilarious. I'm sure it's true. Um, but but our, our uh, midfield and I, uh, was anonymous, really. You know, I forgot in the first half that, that Noble was playing or, or Wilshere, etc. Obviously, you've got Philippe Anderson, a uh, new player that showed a bit of brilliance um, or, or pace and, and what he could do with a few twists and turns but but completely outperformed by by Liverpool's players and and he looked completely knackered after 60 minutes when it when he came off and of course on the other side again Antonio showing what he can do with pace etc but what can you do with pace Mm. um if you've got nothing to do with it because you're not being fed any balls and 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 again he was only there probably because Yamalenko has suffered an injury and Marco and Altovic just to say he looked completely isolated he nearly didn't play. He had a really late uh, fitness test. Uh, it was 50-50 whether he was even going to start the game. Uh, he didn't finish the game and looked, come off, looked a little bit injured. I wouldn't be surprised if he's carrying a knock. Uh, and they brought on an, um, Hernandez Chikorito, who did pretty much any, uh, nothing. But yeah, it, all that mid, the midfield was one of the main problems. That you know, there was just nothing to uh, get our attacking going. Um, and by the way, you know. When we were, I thought at the time, when we were 1-0 down, and by the way, Salah is in my dream team, so <laughs> I was sort of going, well, you know, devil, you know, it doesn't matter which every, way. I'm every sure. cloud and all. <laughs> yeah, but but 1-0, I thought if we can get to half-time at 1 or, you know, one with you 1-0 up, I thought we had a chance to change it around and maybe come back for a draw. But that goal going in just before half-time was the death knell for us, and our heads went down and it was all... Really, one-way traffic after that. What What do you think went wrong with that second goal? Because it, it just looked like a very strange goal from a defensive point of view. Because yeah, no one tracked anyone, and you kind of just stood there, which praying we just for gave the offside flag. Space. Again, I think if you look at it, it's it's them trying to hold. They're thinking they've been drilled in by Pellegrini. Hold this, hold this line at 18 yards. Do not give way any. Well, actually. You probably do have to not just worry about the line if they're about to score a goal. So know where the other, know where the other players are. You know, if if Plan A doesn't work, holding that 18-yard line, you need. And, and we weren't. We just gave you too much space, and um, and there it went. You know, just terrible time to concede just just before the half-time break. Mm. So we've kind of mentioned your your midfield problems. I mean, you've still got is it Carlos Sanchez you signed on deadline day? I know you had a yeah. awful time at um, Aston Villa but do you think he he's the answer to add a bit more steel and protection into your team or do you think Obiang get uh, put back in the squad when the uh, European transfer deadline happens or what what do you think the answer should be well I, I, I like Obiang and I think he's a bit underrated so I do hope he comes back and that's no disrespect to uh, Declan Rice, but you know Declan Rice is 19. He's still got a lot to learn about the game, and I'm sure he's got a bright future. But I think I think Obiang gives a little bit more experience on the ball. Look, and there's no better experience than Sanchez. He's a holding midfielder. All right, he's 32 years old, and yes, he got a red card uh, for a deliberate handball on the line against Japan in the World Cup, and and yes, he conceded uh, a penalty for uh, Harry Kane. 
for rugby tackling him. <laughs> but, you know, you know, he's got a wealth of experience. And while people may laugh at him uh, from his age and may, maybe his pace, you know, I, I still think he hasn't paid. We haven't paid a small price for him. He's not like a, a cheap, you know, he's, he's, we're paying him 75 grand a week. Good um, <laughs> yeah, he, he, his um, transfer fee, he transferred permanently on a two-year deal with a, a, a option for another year, which could rise to two million. But, but bigger than that, um, th- there was a massive, I think, a one million pound uh, uh, agent fee on top of that. So you know, this is this is not just someone who we've that will never get a game. We haven't spent that kind of money mm. for him just to sit around. And, and I think that Pellegrini does believe he can do a job for us. No, that's interesting. I mean, it, it does look like you need a bit more steel. I mean, it is, it is against Liverpool. I'm not sure what your upcoming fixtures are like, but I mean, only Bournemouth. Man's... <laughs> yeah, that that should be that should be easier for the legs of uh, Noble and Wilshire. Um, but I mean, other than Man City, you're probably not going to play an attack like that um, that often in the in the Premier League. Um, but. Uh, Umar, I'll come at you. You kind of you touched on Naby being a transformative figure in the uh, in the midfield for us. But how do you think his debut went? I mean, you said Milner was probably man of the match, but getting overshadowed by Milner when he's had probably the game of his Liverpool career is not a bad thing. But I thought Naby was pretty brilliant, to be fair. Yeah, no, Naby had a fantastic game, I think. Um, but you know, it was one of those where it felt like. Of course he didn't, but it felt like he had kind of a handbrake on, you know. He was he was told to be more controlling. You know, there were certain zones that he was sticking to. He was much more composed than you saw him at Leipzig in certain periods. Um, you know, he wasn't getting petulant, you know. He wasn't snapping out. But uh, I think it was just that kind of game as well, really. It felt like a pre-season friendly in many ways. I think the main difference between West Ham and Liverpool was... Um, was fitness levels, and it showed in the second half. I think 10 minutes after the second half, um, after the 60th minute, the reason we started getting so many spaces was because they just couldn't, they didn't have the legs anymore. And that's specifically the midfield. It became a bit too easy. And it was um, it was quite embarrassing to see for, you know, uh, if you're a West Ham fan, I feel like, because there were just, there was just too many spaces. And there were, you know, there was times on the left wing where, it's just one touch, three players just passing it around each other, and there's no one, there's no closing down the spaces, there's no discipline. It was a bit of chaos. But for me, the moment of the match really was, uh, I think we were just one goal up at the time. Uh, the, you know, Michael Antonio, who cost us, who has always been trouble for us, really. You know, he's he's caused us a lot of issues in the past. Yeah, he was on the right wing, and um. The ball goes between him and Virgil. He's used to coming up against Liverpool defenders who he's bullied. Like he's absolutely destroyed. I mean, his best goal ever, probably the one where he fouled Moreno uh, and then he sprinted 80 yards and scored a header. This is a fantastic goal. Um, so, you know, this is someone who caused us a lot of problems. At the time, it was a one-on-one challenge. Uh, Virgil van Dijk doesn't even go towards the ball. He's just shielding that path. And um, Antonio tries bruising into him and he falls down and crumbles and then uh, after that he's just anonymous really and this so I think that was for me that was a really telling moment as a Liverpool fan you know you're seeing one of those guys who 
you just always look out for because he caused you problems in the past with his physicality, pace, and his ability as well. And uh, he just crumbled in front of, you know, your, I guess, your best defender, but also one of your main leaders in your squad. And I think that was like an uplifting moment for me personally to see that, to be like, oh my God, yeah, we've got this, you know, this is good. And then, um, you know, uh, I think with the goalkeeper, yeah, he didn't make any telling saves. He didn't really have to do much other than it was like a, a powerful shot from, I think, 30 yards out, where straight at him. He just caught it. Um, there was a few other moments, but his passing was so incredible. And I think that really helped. You know, in the and I think that's going to help us in the long run as well, in the sense that when we do get um, pressed, that you know his first time passes to Robertson and Trent are going to be really telling. But he also made one beautiful pass towards uh, Salah, but it was in mm. the perfect height for Salah that you had to foul Salah uh, for him to lose the ball, and he got fouled, and we just got the ball, and and that was a really beautiful moment because I haven't seen a Liverpool goalkeeper do that since Reina yeah, to make that yeah. sixty-yard pass into the torso area of a footballer, you know, where, you know, you can't really get to it, only that player. And if it's a world-class player like Salah with that touch, he's going to kill it dead. And I think, um, just to say on, um, uh, what's it called, West Ham, I thought the best thing about Felipe Anderson is whenever I used to see him play at Lazio, especially, I think, three years ago, you know, he was an incredible talent in the sense that everyone was raving about him. He had everything, pace, ability. He still got it, but... You know, he's been a bit inconsistent in the past. I think his best games are always when he's given the free roll. You know, against us, he was stuck to the left wing. And he was, he was clearly told, you know, just target Trent and try getting the better of him. And he did do it in, a, in certain situations. But I think he would have been better off if he was getting in between Trent and Joe Gomez and he wasn't stuck on the left wing. I think that would have really helped them if he was given the kind of like the free roll uh, behind Anatovic. I think they could have caused us more issues. I think that could also be a problem because of, you know, young Lenko, I don't know what the fitness is like or the reason why he was rested. But um, I think we've still got a lot to see from West Ham. And they're not as bad as people think. But I think Carlos Sanchez, I didn't know the signed him. <laughs> Personally, I don't think he's that great. <laughs> and I think, you know, it's. I think if he's bought him, you know, Pellegrini, then he's probably good thinking of him playing as a centre-back or is it going to be three at the back with him in the middle? I mean, it'll be interesting to see. But I think with Noble, I think this is probably his last season at West Ham as well. I can't see him starting, you know, in that position. It's quite sad because he's, he's a local boy based on this area. Yeah, I see this area because I live in West Ham. So, uh, it was a good, <laughs> so it's just... Um, so, yeah, I think... Um, it was really interesting, but I think with West Ham, we've still got a lot to do. This is probably the best time to play them because I think in a few months, mm. you know, under Pellegrini, who's a quality manager, you saw what he did at Malaga. It was fantastic. Even at Manchester City, he, he did really good things over there. So, you know, they've got a really good manager. Give it a few months. The patience is really important. And um, uh, I think they'll do well. Yeah, Sean, there's a couple of things to to um, touch on there. I mean, firstly, do you want to start with the Bark Noble thing? Do you think this will be his last year? Yeah, look, he's an East End boy. Born in uh, Canning Town, just down the road. He bleeds claret and blue. He, the fans love him, etc. But he's getting older. His legs are not so fast. Pellegrini likes pacey people, which is why he's bought the likes of Fredericks and Diop and uh, Anderson in. Um and I'm not sure he's going to get that many games. It surprised us when when Pellegrini 
said that he had a part to play this season. Uh, he started the first game, but I'm not sure he's going to he's going to be a regular starter. He said when he starts, he's going to be the captain. Um, but yeah, I think his his dominance is going to reduce this season uh, and even fade out in in the following season. So I'm afraid I have to agree. Mm. And Umar, before we get before we go into the second half a bit more, I mean, just your view on the second goal from our point of view. I mean, again, we were we were using the wide areas quite well. I think it was Robbo who put the cross in, and Milner kind of hooked it back. Just a a bit of a fluky goal from us, isn't it? Um, I don't know if I'd call it fluky to be honest. So throughout the game, that's what we we're trying to do to get to the boil and get crosses in. Not uh, the crosses that, uh, you know, I think it was Salah first who put a cross in, was it? And then um, it was a nice little in-play. And then Milner was a protagonist again. Um, and Rob puts the ball in. And then Milner just reads the game really quickly, more than before, his, uh, before the West Ham defenders do. And he puts the ball in. And then there's quite an improvisation in Mane's finish as well, because the ball's actually behind him. You know, so he had to do this like weird kind of leap and then swing his foot around the ball. Um, it wasn't just a clear tapping. I think it was like, but it was. I think it was merited really. Uh, there was a few moments before that. It was a clear cut chance that we created with Firmino, with Salah, and uh, you know, so it was one of those. It, it was. It it felt like it's gonna come, and uh, we kind of they did kind of have a few moments before that. Uh, towards our goal, you know, in certain areas, the ball towards the channels. You know, the thing with against Liverpool is you don't have to dominate midfield. You don't. You can give us midfield, um, but what you, if you do it well, if you give, if you put the ball into certain channels, you know, in between the goalkeeper and the defenders, you know, in the past it's really well worked against us that. And they did have one moment with Anatovic as well. So, you know, there are certain moments where you can cause Liverpool issues, but. I think they just, uh, uh, you know, after a while, fitness to start court coming in and we just kept plugging away as well. So I think the second goal is just pure show of the attitude of the, of the team, really not giving up on a ball, you know, swinging it through towards goal and then, you know, uh, being in good positions to uh, succeed, basically to take advantage of, you know, the ball that's been, uh, that felt like it was going up for a goal kick, but actually leading to a goal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it does help when the referee tackles you to create an out-of-it chance. <laughs> but uh, to be fair, they did give us an offside goal. But uh, yeah, I think I think that'll do for the first half. And we'll just take a quick ad break and then we'll be back with the second half and expand on a couple of things as well. So we'll be back in a sec. Hi, Anne. How are you? Um, is everything okay? Yeah, absolutely, Gags. Everything is fine. But you know what? I'm hearing you've got a special offer for Anfield Index Pro. Is that so? Yes, absolutely. And we've got your weekly show, Moby on the Spot, the popular stat show, Under Pressure. Post-match Raw is now back and loads of other shows available at our lowest price ever. Go on then, Gags. How cheap is that? Get this, mate. Get this. It's absolutely free for seven days and then only $39.99 for a whole year. New users can now sign up and access everything at AmphilIndexPro.com. I have to say, Gax, that is incredible news. i got to go. Where are you going? Well, to be fair, I need to go and tell Rushy about this offer. <laughs> Thanks. 
Whilst you're there, please let Rushy know that we accept all major credits and debit cards via the website. And not only that, we've now added PayPal too. And if you want an app option, then via iOS, you can purchase AI Pro through an in-app purchase. Jan? Jan? Right, and you're back with Face Off, um, and we still got uh, Sean Whitestone from West Ham fan and Umar, uh, Liverpool fan. So we're going to crack on with the second half. But Sean, I'm going to come to you. Uh, obviously, Snodgrass came on for Declan Rice uh, at mm. half time, and and for me, this kind of hinted that maybe you've brought him on for his set piece delivery because whilst I was watching the highlights back, it looked like set pieces was your was your main avenue to to maybe damage Liverpool a bit. Yeah, and, and look, Snodgrass has had a, a torrid time with, with West Ham and, and fans and the board haven't always seen eye to eye for him. The history is, and I'll give you a little history lesson on Snodgrass, we sold Pyatt and with the money we bought Snodgrass, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's no wow. way you can replace, you know? So, so he's got a hard act to follow, right? When he joined... Um, Slavin Bilic said to him, where do you want to play? And, and he, he said afterwards, he said, well, I was, I was flabbergasted and thought, you bought me, you know where I play. <laughs> he played him out of position. And of course, he had a torrid time at West Ham. Um, and then, then we had the famous interview in The Guardian where our, our chairman, David Sullivan, said, my kids begged me not to buy Snodgrass and Fonts. And, 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 and of course it went down from there. Now he went to actually Aston Villa and had a great, t- they loved him at Aston Villa. Uh, and he scored, I think, 11 goals and or 14 goals and 11 assists. It's something around that. I know it's a championship. Uh, they were about, we were about to get a million pound bonus for them going up, but of course they lost against Fulham. They didn't buy him for 12 million, and he's come back. But he had a great pre-season, I must say. I know it's not a, the same opposition, but he, he really showed that everything is forgiven and forgotten. And he plays with passion. He plays for the badge, and any West Ham fan will like that. Um, and you're right; he's he's there probably for the set pieces. Although we did have, I forget how many corners we had, and we didn't we didn't capitalise on any of our corners that we did last season. Um, and as you say, I think he was brought in for a bit of extra experience that Declan Rice didn't have, and that for the odd free kick that we might be able to snatch back a goal, but. Um, you know, it wasn't meant to be, and, and not one of um, Snodgrass's best performance in the second half as well. But you know, I don't think you can really single anyone out of as a, of having a good performance uh, for West Ham, apart from my view, um, Fabianski. I thought. Mm, um, I was going to ask you about him. Yeah. yeah, I thought Fabianski. You know, a lot of people like Adrian and 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 didn't see that Fabianski did anything to get a start, but I thought he stopped. I think he probably stopped three goals going in um, mm. where other keepers might have let them in. So it could have been uh, six or seven nil if uh, if it hadn't been for Fabianski. Well, you've, you've kind of struggled to have a, a consistent number one goalkeeper. I mean, I, I can't even remember who your goalkeeper was before Adrian. Was was it Rob Green? <laughs> I can't even remember no, that. No, probably. before Adrian, it was, uh, it was probably Yashi Yaskalite. No, no, last year... Um, I'm trying to remember which... I we remember Yaskin being there. <laughs> we had obviously Darren, uh, Darren Randolph. Um, mm. uh, Adrian's been there before. You've, you've got Rob Green, you've got Yaskin and 
I'm trying to think if there was any others in between that. I think this proves my point. <laughs> that you've yeah. struggled for a number one. Um, you... I mean, yeah, <laughs> had Joe Hart, which obviously... Yeah, that didn't, that didn't go well. <laughs> um, but um, do you think Fabianski's finally going to be the answer? I know he only cost uh, pretty much 50p in, in, in current money. Well, um, well, but do you think he's the answer? Million. Let me was tell you a story. I thought it was 12 million. <laughs> it was 7 million transfer fee, but we had to pay the agent another oh 5 million pound. So actually, it cost us 12 million oh in total. So uh, it just shows you um, how much sometimes transfers cost. Uh, but, you know, he, he he's in my dream team as well. I didn't put him in on, uh, funny enough, I put Joe Hart at Burnley <laughs> in on, on uh, Sunday. And, you know, he's seven points. <laughs> Fabianski only one point in the dream team. But I think he's good value, um, and and if you look at the number of clean sheets he got for Swansea, who had yeah. a torrid time, uh, he's he's a good keeper, you know, good keeper. Yeah, absolutely. He's always been one of those ones who's probably obviously Swansea uh, had troubles for a good few years now, but he's always been above a relegation candidate goalkeeper. He's probably been one of the similarly Ben Foster, probably one of the upper. Middle ones, but he, he he does look like he'll make that spot his own because hasn't Adrian Strutter gone downhill a bit since the first year or so? I d- no, I think he had a, he had a good season last season. He's hmm. been good in pre-season, so I, I I like the idea of two two keepers sort of battling it out for for um you know who who could be there, and I'm sure Adrian might find himself in there um hmm. back again. You don't know. It's um. You know, I, I like there to be good, strong uh, competition for for the goalkeeping uh, position. And Umar, coming to you, speaking of not having competition in the goalkeeping department, uh, obviously we saw Alisson um, debut. Um, not a lot to do, but did you like what you saw? I mean, you mentioned um, distribu- distribution-wise and stuff like that. I mean, I think he tried to set up. Um, as you said earlier, Salah in, in I think it was seventy odd minutes. He, he tried to get an assist. Um, but did, did you like the little bits you saw? I mean, he, he punched a couple crosses, caught a couple shots, and stuff like that. But do you like him? Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually watch a lot of CBA. It's like mm. my favorite league, actually. Uh, the only Premier League I watch is Liverpool games and uh, the occasional, you know, Manchester United versus Arsenal or something of the sorts. Um, so I, I saw a lot of him last year, and um, I, I I just couldn't believe we actually managed to get him. Um, you know, he was by far the best goalkeeper in Syria, and this is Syria where they've got Handanovic, who's quality, he's an incredible goalkeeper as well. So you know, we just bought one of the best in the world, and um, the his best games are usually uh, coming out really far. I mean. It's like watching Neuer play, really. His game is modelled around Neuer. He's not like a De Gea type of goalkeeper. He's someone who's going to be sprinting 40 yards forward, you know, chesting the ball, chipping it over a player, and doing something crazy. I mean, that's what you're really getting from him. But mm. he's also really good uh, with his hands. Well, I mean, he has to be the goalkeeper. But um, <laughs> he's really athletic. He's got agility. And he's got a huge frame. And you saw it with certain corners as well. You know, um, and... Uh, we're just really lucky to have him, fortunate to have him. And I think as in my lifetime, it's only Reina and Reina's first five seasons were elite. But Reina was also playing in front of, you know, a ridiculously good uh, spine, you know, of midfielders, defensive midfielders and solid goalkeeper. I mean, centre-halves, you know, you had Hopia 
Aga, Carragher, you know, in front of him. And uh, the truth is, uh, yesterday what Alisson had was a guy who's never played centre half before. It was his first, it was his debut in a professional football match as a centre back in the two. And next to him, it was obviously a ridiculously good uh, centre half. But I think with Liverpool, we will always have this where we've got one, we've got Van Dijk, and then it's who else is next to him. Mm. And uh, that's the only thing I think for this season we need to see what happens in the sense that uh, Lovren and Matty have good uh, uh, injury records. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see who actually manages to play alongside him. Um, and uh, with Joe Gomez, you know, he's that's his first season as a centre half. We recognise being recognised as a centre half by the club as well, and um, I, I do expect him to make some errors. Uh, I think it's only normal considering his age, but it's not ideal for a goalkeeper to have that really. To have you know, ones uh, doesn't don't actually know who's playing on the right side of your defence, but he's good enough to hopefully go past that kind of phase. So yeah, we're quite lucky to have him definitely. Yeah, I mean, you brought up Gomez a little bit there. I mean, he obviously started, this is probably like his second or third game at centre-back for us. Um, I know he's done a couple of cup games where he wasn't too impressive. Um, but obviously, Arnautovic, he's, he's not one who's like a big target man. I mean, fortunately, Andy Carroll wasn't playing. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe you prefer him not playing, Sean. I've, I've heard your Nepal index not being a fan of it. Um, but Umar... Gomez obviously played against Arnautovic today or yesterday, where it's one type of striker. But next week he's going to be against Ben Teke, who's just a big lump up front. I mean, is, is there any worries that obviously he's been criticised heavily about his his heading prowess? Do you think next week's going to be the bigger challenge for uh, for Gomez? Um, I think the thing with um, it depends who we get in uh, Ben Teke. Really, with Ben Teke, one thing you get is he will get into good positions and he would nearly score. I mean, last season he got in a lot of good positions. Even against us when we played at Crystal Palace last season, there was two or three times when he should have at least scored. And, um, you know, if Lovren's playing there or if it's Atip, you know, if Joe Gomez, it'll be the same. Benteke is not a rubbish, uh, what's it called, centre uh, forward. But uh, Anatovic isn't exactly small either. He's 6'4", he's strong, he's uh, brilliant, he's just fantastic. I think he's ridiculously underrated, really. Uh, he's good enough to play for any other clubs in the Premier League. He's a fantastic talent. And um, he did pretty well against him. And uh, and that's what's kind of nice to see because he's, Bentec is not as quick as uh, Anatovic. And if we keep a high line, and um, I think there's chances that we can kind of silence him. The problem will be Zaha. Zaha's, you know, Zaha's going to be someone who's going to be mainly on that side, you know, on the left side. He's going to be up against uh, Alexander Arnold and uh, Joe Gomez. So I think that's where the test is really going to be because Benteke doesn't really have to get on the ball and make stuff happen. What he just has to do is run into certain spaces and pockets and rely on the brilliance of Zaha to beat a man and to get the ball to him. So that's something that we'll just have to see what kind of Crystal Palace. The good thing is the managers. Roy Hodgson, so you can expect two bank or four, and just like <laughs> two guys being left here on their own at the front. And um, I think this is where we might see Alisson shine really, because if they are relying on long balls in the channel for Zaha to run into, Alisson will Alisson will catch on to that, and he will his starting position will be extremely high. 
you know, he would be outside of his box mostly when they're on the ball because he, he banks himself to have the pace to get to the po to get to the goal if they take a long shot. But he's definitely quick enough that if they throw a ball between the center house and the goalkeeper, and if the goalkeeper's on the outside of the box at the time, he's definitely getting there and he's brilliant on the ball. So that's not really an issue. I think, so I think this is the game where you're really going to see Alisson arrive. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to it because I think um, we really did put a statement out against last time. So, yeah, bring on Monday. Yeah, fair dues. Um, Sean, I'm going to come with you. Come to you. Um, the Premier League refereeing standards probably on a downward slope like never seen before. And obviously it was 2-0 at the time, but I mean, such a pretty clear error for the third goal. I mean, it was a good mm. mile offside, but obviously the game was probably gone. But I mean, same old Premier League. Yeah. Well, we missed VAR. I mean, mm. everybody's saying the same thing. You know, after being spoiled with VAR and showing how well it worked in the World Cup, I think they used it in the Charity Shield as well, didn't they? Um. I can't remember, actually. I think someone said that. I didn't watch it myself. Um, well, VAR has got... I mean, this has got to be the last season without it. And the Premier League have got to bring it in. I mean, there's just so much at stake. All right, so maybe the third goal didn't make a difference. Uh, but you don't know. In, in You know, in another um, in another season, or, it's, you know, it could still come true. We could get relegated with one goals goals difference at the end of the season, couldn't we? Mm. Uh, and it will make a difference. And, and I know people say is refereeing mistakes will even themselves out over the process of, of a season. And maybe they're right. But VIR showed, uh, VAR showed in the World Cup that it can be used and it can add to the excitement as well. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but, um, for the first time this season as well, technology has been allowed. So mm. both the managers and all the technical have little iPads and they can see in real time replays and everything else. They've been told they're not allowed to wave it and show it <laughs> at the fourth referee and say, look, 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 this was, you know, so, uh, but they do get to see uh, replays now on, on iPads in, in the dugouts now, which I think shows that we're still progressing uh, in the Premier League, but yeah, VAR has got to come, hasn't it next season and, and, and be the end to a lot of these discussions on, on poor refereeing. Yeah, absolutely. And Umar, coming to you, I mean, the, the refereeing question was um, Anthony Taylor, I think it was. I mean, yeah. I know I know the third goal was bad for them, but I thought it was pretty awful throughout the game for both teams, to be honest. I mean, just the standard of refereeing is just so poor nowadays, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. But I think, um, sorry, Sean, I've got bad news for you. They're already... Signed the, the paper, so next year there's no VAR either. So oh really? That's just yeah, that's official now. So even oh, next wait. season we're not. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we I should start a protest. It. We want VAR. <laughs> we're the ones. We pay the the season tickets. We pay the ticket money. We yeah. pay for Sky and BT Sport and everything else. We should demand. We need. We need to go to number ten. We need to go to the House of Commons. We need to find <laughs> out why VAR is not Who's passing this bill. Yeah. Definitely, but I think the main thing Get with uh, VAR, is... <laughs> <laughs> I think the uh, the main thing with VAR is I think if you don't want to implement it, 
to slow down the brand that is the Premier League for that because that's the argument really. What they should do then is just you know just let us know if there's a goal or not. If the guys offside don't get the goal, I mean let the goal happen. Let them even celebrate like they do, and then the you know the referee puts his flag up and he's like you're offside. I mean you know just it takes it doesn't take long. Uh, just do it for the implementation of on goals and. If the referee gives a red card on that, but that's it. You know, I think they should just uh, introduce VAR just for goals. Then, if they're worried about the flow of the game, just for goals. So, if you score a goal or if the goal is disallowed, and then they're seeing VAR if it's a goal, that's brilliant. But um, my main issue with VAR is sometimes you see it with the referee. He looks at the goal, he looks at it, and then he thinks, is that a penalty or not? Then he goes mm. back and looks at it and he spends two minutes on it. If it's taking you two minutes to make the decision, forget about it. Forget about it. It's, it's not worth it. Did we Just see that, though, play. in the World Cup? Yeah, we did. Even in the did final. He, yeah, in the final uh, two... when, when it's like the handball and then it leads to the Griezmann penalty. Go back to that. It took him two and a half minutes two... to three Is minutes really? to make a wow. decision. Yeah, that's a long time, man. And, you know, if you keep cutting that time out, you know, it's just it's just not worth it. It really so I think what they need to do is if it's taking you more than 30 seconds for the referee to make a decision on a penalty then it just gets void it's not a penalty basically yeah. that's what I'm trying to say because if we're if you're waiting two and a half minutes to make a decision you're not sure about it then it's not a penalty because you're killing the flow of the game you know at two and a half minutes you know I'm sure the sports science guys would know this but if it's really cold you know your body can cool down in like three minutes you know, and then it's the guy has taken a penalty, so it's been five minutes you've not moved. You know, you're just standing around. And I mean, you know, and then it'll take you time to get back into the, you know, rhythm of the game. And it would just kill games for us, really, in the Premier League and just in every league, really. So I think it's better, you know, you get 30 second, 30 second tab when you start seeing the image on the screen. Within those 30 seconds, if you cannot make your decision, then forget about it. It's not a penalty. Because there's no point, you know, for them to keep analyzing, 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 because it just kills, it does kill the flow of the game. You this is an American sports, you know, where they stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, because over there they can do whatever they want. But we're, the whole thing, I think the reason they don't want to introduce it to Premier League is because of the fact that it's the fast nature of the Premier League end to end, you know, and the, just the way it is really. That's the USB of the Premier League. That's what they like to sell. That's what makes the Premier League unique. So I think VAR is going to be the last thing that's going to come to the Premier League. I mean, we're going to be the last ones to implement it behind. Italians are already doing it. So we're, we're going to be one of the last ones at, at it, really. Yeah, I think the Premier League is, is seen wrong, rightfully or wrongfully, it's seen as something more superior. So I'm not surprised we're trying to wait for it to be um, streamlined and stuff like that. But uh, we're, we're coming up to about near an hour now, so I'll, we'll try and get through the rest of the pod. I mean, Umar, sticking with you, obviously we see Sturridge get a goal. Um, it, it's just a reward for what was a brilliant pre-season, isn't it? I know he only took like 10 seconds and he only he only played like five minutes, but it, seeing him score and seeing the, the wriggly arm dance again... It, it brought it brought love, it brought something to me. I do I just love that bro. Yeah, no, I think the thing with Sturridge is, uh, you know, I think it's I just don't know how you can't love him. If you're a Liverpool fan, uh he wants to be here. He he's he's accepted his role within the club, you know, as he's he's actually you know, people 
people outside of the club probably don't don't know this, but he's one of the leaders of the squad. Um, he mentors the youth, and he and he makes people feel comfortable when they join the club. Um, and he's obviously an extremely talented footballer. Talent's never been an issue with him. It's always been fitness issues, and you know, uh, can he get the games? Does he still have the pace? You know, people forget his. Uh, uh, you know, he's the only English player I've seen in it where he's got that Porto Brazil technique, you know, where it's like no backlift, you know, first time striking ability and the dribbling that he does. He's uh, he's the most gifted player of his generation. The issues have always been he breaks down and it's quite sad, really. But um, last season, he wasn't as injured. You know, we just didn't play him regularly last season until he went to West Brom, who didn't know, I guess, his injury history and everything. And, you know, he just broke down over there. I think at Liverpool he realizes he's comfortable here and he's willing to play a supporting role. And um, I think psychologically he just feels more freer. And I think you know with him he's an elite like thinker of the game. Like in the way he moves around as a centre forward, he knows the positions he needs to be at. He got lucky there. It was a beautiful knock-on header from a West Ham player right towards his path. He's on his left foot. He's not going to miss. But um, I think this season. You know, um, it, it can't be any worse than last season. And uh, I think he does want to win something here. And, you know, he sees that how special this squad is. And uh, he's willing to embrace his role. And I think this could be a season where we might see him play finally close to as good as we're ever going to see him play for the rest of his career now. And a little thing about Shakiri as well, I would like to add that I think Shakiri's debut, it was, you know, I think. It's quite beautiful to have such a talented players on the bench. You know, you had we had Fabinho who didn't even play. Um, we've got Shakiri who came on and he looked brilliant as well. Uh, he did one beautiful pass straight to. He gets the ball. He gives a beautiful pass to Naby Keita, controls it, and then he sets through Robertson. Robertson takes a touch, at least a corner, but he does a beautiful little move between like new players really, and. Um, it's just amazing that on the bench you look and you've got Zoran Shakiri and Daniel Sturridge, you've got Fabinho and Henderson. You know these are these are actual quality players to have on your bench and considering what we had on the eleven. So it's hopefully if we manage to avoid injuries, major injuries with players, niggling injuries happen, but major injuries if we manage to um, avoid them and with Oxley Chamberlain being out for the season, uh, so next season. Even if we don't sign anyone, the squad we have is is pretty promising. So yeah, uh, you just asked me about Daniel Sturridge, but I went off for one. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. But uh, yeah, it's just really exciting time to be a Liverpool fan, and Daniel Sturridge is is one of the main reasons behind it as well. Yeah, he always scores against us. By the way, as soon as he came on, I, <laughs> everyone was going. He always scores against West Ham, and, and so he did. Uh okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I know he's got. I know he, he loves a goal against Newcastle. I know that one. Mm. Um, but Sean, anything you want to bring up before we finish up? No. no I, I mean, I I wrote a piece uh, for this is Anfield just before the game, um, and I tipped Liverpool to win um, the title, um, and I I think it, it will be Liverpool's year. I do think they. You know, as long as they can keep injury free with the firepower they've got and Salah keep on knocking them in, I do think they can uh, get one over on, on Man City and finally land the title this year. This could be 
Jurgen Klopp's year. So it won't make us feel too bad if you go on and win the the, the Premier League. And we have an awful um, history at Anfield. We've won twice in 55 years, as you may know. 1960, we won in um, 2015, but before that it was 1963. And the one last thing I'll say is the bookies had us. Bookies don't like giving away money. Before we played you on Sunday, 14 to 1 for West Ham to win, 5 oh to 1 for a draw, and you 1 to 4 on. So the bookies don't like to give away money. But there is one last thing I'll add, and, uh, and, and, and it's about West Ham. Two weeks before we played the first game of the season on, on Sunday, I wrote a blog to say Rome wasn't built in a day, um, nor will West Ham. We have bought 10 players. We played five of them on Sunday. Pellegrini has got new tactics. It's a complete change. Look at what happens at Everton. Look what happens at Spurs when they tried to make wholesale change. And even look what happened when Jurgen Klopp came in. Mm. Um, it's going to take time. Yeah. We have come down to earth with a bump. And anyone, all these people go top six finish for West Ham this year. We spent £100 million. It was never going to happen. Do you know what? We might lose against Bournemouth next week. But I have I have every confidence that given time, Pellegrini will sort it out. I predicted a top 10 finish. I stick by that. I just think it's going to be a little bit of a bumpy ride for the first maybe five or six games. No, I fully agree. I mean, you, I think you've bought well and it, it does take time with that, that amount of players. Um, but I think we'll finish up there, chaps. I mean, Umar, do you want to give out your Twitter and stuff? Uh, yeah, um, it's uh, Umar6688 at uh, Twitter. So, yeah, you just see a lot of retweets and the odd tweet here and there, but that's it, really. (laughs) Good stuff, good stuff. And Sean, do you want to give out your Twitter and stuff? Yeah, so it's at West Ham Football. Um, I've got my own podcast as well, which I'm just about to record tonight as well, called More Than Just a Podcast, as in Bobby Moore with two O's. And, And I... And I write for a website which gives West Ham news 24 by 7 called clarenthue.info. I know that neither of those two things will appeal to your <laughs> listeners, but hey, what the hell? You never know. <laughs> might be, there might be a West Ham fan in a Liverpool fan in a car or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, well, I'm involved, definitely. I live in West Ham. So, yeah. Where do you live? Where do you live in? Uh, just uh, Portway Road. So, Portway. Yeah, it should have been a hammer. <laughs> yeah, I live literally a walk away from the stadium. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, don't, don't be, don't be stealing my Liverpool. Fan. <laughs> uh, but uh, thanks for joining me, you two, and thanks for listening, everybody. This has been my first um, face off in the hosting chair, so hopefully you think I've done well. But thanks for joining me, and goodbye. Let's get ready to rumble. Y'all ready for this? Sports Social Podcast Network.